You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The Bowery Boys episode 321, Lauren Bacall at home at the Dakota Apartments. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Support for the Bowery Boys is provided by our listeners. Join us for as little as a dollar a month by visiting patreon.com slash boys. Hi there. Welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. And this is Tom Myers. And everyone, how are we doing? How are we doing out in the world all snug in our homes here? <laughs> or at very least trying to stay as local as possible? Snug at our homes is one way to put it, Greg. <laughs> feeling distant, but yet at home together, you know? We're feeling so snug, in fact, in our homes that we were thinking that we would actually tell a story about famous and historic homes, um, because there are so many of these to choose from in New York City. I also think that we could use a little glamour in our lives these days, I say, as I am recording Mm -hmm. this show in my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) It's allowable. And remember, it's not what you wear, Greg. It's how you wear it. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. your confidence, your poise. So imagine the subject of our show today. Hollywood icon and legend Lauren Bacall Mm -hmm. lounging about her apartment, maybe in a pair of expensive silk pajamas, or rearranging flowers on her dining room table, doing a crossword puzzle, or just looking out the window. Uh, not just any windows, because Lauren Bacall, star of motion pictures and Broadway, was a woman with an extraordinary life who lived for 53 years in one of New York's most famous apartment buildings, of course, the Dakota Apartments. The Dakota Apartments is located on the Upper West Side at 72nd Street and Central Park West. Now, this building was completed in 1884, so it was actually a pioneer of both apartment living and living in general on the Upper West Side. Because one theory, in fact, suggests that the building was named the Dakota because its location on the West Side was considered so remote for the day. Uh, There are other theories, too, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Now, like Miss Bacall, the Dakota is a bit of a movie star itself. It was featured prominently in the 1968 film Rosemary's Baby. And it was just... Yes. Sorry, sorry, was, I don't know. And it was just a few years earlier, actually, in 1961, in fact, that Lauren Bacall first moved into the Dakota. So this show today is a look at Bacall's life and also a look at the history of the Dakota and then a look at, at her life 
in the Dakota. Uh, you know, what was so appealing to her about the Dakota that she decided to live here and to live here for more than half a century? And we're going to get to that. But Tom, first, why don't we hear from Lauren herself? So you're a private detective. I didn't know they existed except in books or else they were greasy little men snooping around hotel corridors. Oh, you're a mess, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not very tall either. Next time I'll come on stilts, wear a white tie, and carry a tennis racket. I doubt if even that would help. Now, this business of Dad's, think you can handle it for him? It shouldn't be too tough. Really? I would have thought a case like that took a little effort. Not too much. What will your first step be? The usual one. I didn't know there was a usual oh, one. Oh, sure there is. It comes complete with diagrams on page 47 of how to be a detective in 10 easy lessons, correspondence school textbook, and uh, your father offered me a drink. You must have read another one on how to be a comedian. Hear what I said about the drink? I'm quite serious, Mr. Marlowe. My father's not father. help yourself. That clip, of course, is from the film The Big Sleep, the 1946 film noir, and one of her best pairings with screen partner and husband Humphrey Bogart. Mm. I just have to say, even though I can't physically see you right now, Greg, I know <laughs> that you are so excited and probably jumping out of your chair because... Lauren Bacall, uh, Greg has been, listener, Greg has been a, a fan, a huge fan of Lauren Bacall for, I don't, for as long as I've known you, what, like 85 years? <laughs> well, a lot of years. Uh, yeah, all of my rooms throughout college, wherever I was living, were plastered with Bogey and Bacall movie posters mm -hmm. right next to like The Cure and Depeche Mode. You could kind of mix that stuff like that back then. And was, you did. Was allowed. And I did, actually. But I've continued, actually, to love Lauren Bacall because she has a very New York story. Okay, so then let's start back from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Was Ms. Bacall born in New York City? She was, actually. She was born Betty Joan Persky on September 16th, 1924. Her last name, Bacall, actually with just one L, so B-A-C-A-L, that came from her mother, Natalie, who was a Romanian Jewish immigrant. Now, I am going to quote here, and not for the last time, by the way, from her memoir, Lauren Bacall by Myself. Which you own, which, right? Oh, yeah. It's probably one of the oldest. It's like I, I have the Holy Bible and then Lauren Bacall's By Myself, amongst my oldest possessions. Anyway, about her parents, she wrote, quote, they arrived on Ellis Island and gave their name Weinstein-Bacall, meaning wine glass in German and Russian. Grandfather Max borrowed enough money from United Hebrew Charities to get a place in downtown New York, lived in a ghastly apartment, set up a pushcart with all sorts of household goods for sale. Never tell anyone about that, Betty. One family fact that mother always hated, the pushcart. A whispered word. There is a lot there to unpack. So, so Lauren, or... So Betty, I should say, mm -hmm. traces her lineage then through Ellis Island, through the tenement districts of Jewish New York, and her grandfather even operated a pushcart. We actually talk a lot on this show about newly arriving immigrants wanting to assimilate into American culture. We kind of use this term generally. Mm -hmm. Even Bacall, who celebrated her Jewish heritage later in life here, obviously, recalled witnessing anti-Semitism even with some of her directors in so-called progressive Hollywood. Then back to the beginning here. So Betty Joan Persky, 
um, mm-hmm. aka Lauren Bacall. Where did she grow up exactly? So she was born on the Grand Concourse up in the Bronx, but she spent most of her childhood really everywhere, all around. She was in Brooklyn. She was in Manhattan. By her late teens, she had even lived in the West Village. Tom, she even once won a Miss Greenwich Village beauty contest, which was a real thing, and she won it. (laughs) Miss Greenwich Village I think actually a few bars in the West Village are still running that contest, aren't they? <laughs> it's got, they've changed some of the rules, but yes. <laughs> actually, no, Greg, you forwarded me last night a, a newspaper clip of her winning that contest, a photo of her receiving her crown or tiara, and it yeah. looked like a gaggle of guys kind of around her painting her face. I mean, putting <laughs> yeah, makeup was... on her, but she was a knockout. Yeah, in fact... On top of being a young, budding actor and dancer at this time, teenage Betty here was actually a very successful model by age 16. 16? I mean, I know things have changed, but doesn't that seem a little young? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially to be doing the hustle here that she's doing as a young woman, it's it's kind of hard to imagine. She definitely had some scrap, I have to give her this. She was often seen down at the Times Square Walgreens on 44th Street, where all the out-of-work Broadway actors hung out. So you can picture that. Mm -hmm. At one point, she sold a classified paper called Acting Q and stood outside the door at Sardi's, keeping her eyes peeled for famous producers or directors. And Tom, she also worked, you're going to like this, she also worked as a head usher for theaters owned by the Schuberts. It's just, I mean... It's dreamy. Betty Bacall basically had the teenage life that I dreamed of back <laughs> back in Ohio. That's like out of a movie itself. Now, in 1942, she caught the attention of Diana Vreeland of the magazine Harper's Bazaar. She put Betty on the March 1943 cover of Harper's Bazaar. Now, just to note, by the way, that's March 1943. Mm-hmm. Since we're in the middle of World War II here, the cover depicts this beautiful young woman in a, you know, Betty Bacall in a gorgeous outfit, posing in front of a Red Cross blood donation clinic. Hmm. Yeah. Well, look, even during times of crisis, we need a little glamour. You could even say she's helping us out right now, Greg. I'm assuming then if she was on the cover of Harper's Bazaar that this really launched her career? It did. It's it's instrumental in her career, actually, because from here, she was noticed by film producer Howard Hawks. Uh-huh. And pretty soon, Betty was riding out of town on the 20th Century Limited out of Grand Central, cross-country, heading to Hollywood for her first screen test. By age 19, now as Lauren Bacall, with two L's, She starred in her first film, To Have and Have Not, based on the Ernest Hemingway novel, opposite the actor she would soon make history with, Humphrey Bogart, another actor born in New York. He, though, in 1899. So they were 25 years apart. But Bogey and Bacall became a classic film duo, both on and off screen. They starred in three other films together. Bogey Bacall fans can recite these by heart. So that was so there was To Have and Have Not, then there was The Big Sleep, Dark Passage, and then their last screen pairing, and my personal favorite, Key Largo. 
These films were all made in a row. So they were released 1944, 1946, 1947, 1948. Wait, 44, 46, 47, and 48. What happened in 1945? Well, that was the year they got married, Tom. Oh. On May 21st, 1945, in fact, they went on to have two children together, and they lived in Los Angeles, of course. They had a beautiful home in Benedict Canyon. In fact, it was here that Bacall would recede a little bit from her film career. She would raise the kids, even as Bogart would go on to make some of his greatest films, like In a Lonely Place and The African Queen. But even if she wasn't making as many films at the time, I'm sure Lauren Bacall was still the toast of the town. I can imagine the parties that they must have been throwing. Right, this, the post-war, the 1950s parties in L.A., right? Humphrey was, of course, friends with the likes of Frank Sinatra, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy. Mm-hmm. In fact, as urban legend has it, it was Lauren Bacall that looked at Bogart with all of his friends returning home from a wild trip in Las Vegas and proclaimed, quote, you look like a goddamn rat pack. Are you suggesting that the phrase Rat Pack comes from Lauren Bacall? She coined yes. it? Believe it or not, that's where it originates from. Now, of course, the pack name would eventually revolve around Sinatra instead and some of his friends like Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., etc. Bogart, however, died of cancer on January 14, 1957. So naturally, this devastated Lauren, who's now raising two children alone. She did have a brief romance with Frank Sinatra, though. How, which how'd I'm that not, go? Well, I'm not even going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it it's, it's kind of it's a mess. But as an actress, she still made a few good films without Bogart, most notably How to Marry a Millionaire, which mm-hmm. co-starred Marilyn Monroe, and Designing Woman with Gregory Peck. But after the death of her husband, none of this was really the same for her. That's not surprising to hear. And so after taking a very long tour of Europe, Lauren Bacall returned to her first home here in New York. So what would she do back here in New York? I'm I'm pretty sure by this point in her career, she was too big to keep selling newspapers outside of Sardis. Lauren was going back to the stage, to Broadway. This was actually an interesting era in that a lot of Hollywood stars during this time tried their hand on the big, big stage. Uh, Her first play was in 1959. It was called Goodbye, Charlie. Should, Should I know Goodbye, Charlie? No, no, no. It flopped quite miserably, actually. Uh, To quote again from her biography, at the party after... And by the way, Tom, I'm assuming the party here is Mm -hmm. actually at Sardi's. She doesn't say, but I think we can assume. Anyway, before the reviews came through, I was standing at the bar with Moss Hart. I know now, of course, that he realized the play wouldn't go. He said, don't take personally anything you might have read. You're good. You can do it. And you should be proud of yourself. And Moss Hart... Um, we should add it was the famous Broadway director and playwright. So from him, those are those must have been really encouraging words. Who cares about the play? She wanted to make a go of it. Now, all she needed, though, was a, a real place to call home if she was going to stay in New York permanently and do this. And so in 1961, she found her dream home, or should I say apartment, 
From her bio again, quote, Someone told me about an apartment at the Dakota, the great old building on Central Park West with its high ceilings and enormous rooms. I took the apartment on sight. I love how she calls it the the great old building on Central Park West. Well, it is old. Right. No, but I'm just saying that here it's only 1961 when it was a lot less old than it is today. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And the Dakota was only 77 years old at the time that she moved in because it had opened in 1884. But regardless, it's still felt old it, it was built looking old you know it looks like a big old german renaissance fortress of some sort and it it stretches from 72nd street to 73rd street along central park west it's very imposing we actually did a podcast on this a long long time ago i think just when the dakota opened <laughs> is when we did that podcast <laughs> but could you remind us actually of how the dakota came to be constructed here I always like to start that story just by describing that famous photo that many of our listeners have seen and we'll put on the website, BoweryBoysHistory.com. It's a photo of New Yorkers skating on a pond in Central Park in the 1890s. You see these silhouettes of men in top hats and uh, children pushing off on ice skates. And you, you see small trees around them, around the pond that would, you know, grow up and mature into trees that may still be standing there today. But off in the background, you see one building, only one building, and that's the Dakota. It's a very striking image. It's one of my favorite photos of old New York. It's even a little ominous, I'd say, Mm -hmm. like a a haunted house almost. Yeah, but it's just right there on its own. Yeah, well, because when it opened, it was one of the very first luxury buildings to be constructed along Central Park West. It was constructed between 1880 and 1884, and it was designed by the great Henry Hardenberg, uh, who would go on to design the Plaza Hotel. He'd been hired by Edward Clark, who was the president of the Singer Manufacturing Company, which was, you know, the the sewing machine empire. And his decision, Clark's decision to place this new luxurious apartment building here, you know, far from the center of upper class living in Midtown, you could say that that decision had left New York society in stitches. The Astors and the Vanderbilts were all living in Midtown at this time, along or around Fifth Avenue, of course. That was sort of right. That was the center of high society. And then along comes Clark with this idea to construct this lavish new residence, you know, up here in the middle of nowhere. I mean, for those who lived down on Fifth Avenue, it might as well have been North or South Dakota, quite honestly. But uh, North or South Dakota, which would become states in 1889. So five years after this place would open. Although the Dakota Territory had been a part of the U.S. since 1861. Clark was indeed, you know, he was a big fan of the territory um, Mm -hmm. and a fan, you know, he was really into the country's westward expansion. And so he named his new building in appreciation of this, not, not because it felt far flung. And this was a really interesting time, too, because by the late 1880s, it was starting to become acceptable for wealthy families to move out of these gigantic mansions with their Mm -hmm. huge staffs and to rent apartments or flats, Mm -hmm. especially because paying to run those mansions was obviously too costly. Yeah, that is so true. And we've noted that before. And it's the plot line of a thousand British costume dramas. 
So renters wouldn't need those, you know, legions of people working for them. Although the Dakota would need to be equipped with a staff. You know, uh, they had a full staff of 150 people to serve the tenants and, and also a full restaurant downstairs. So needless to say, Clark spent lavishly on, this, on the Dakota's construction, $2 million. It had 65 apartments when it opened. Uh, and these apartments ranged from four rooms all the way up to 20 rooms. You know, and we're talking about rooms that were appointed with m- massive oak doors and carved wood paneling, um, ceilings that were 12 to 15 feet high. And every room had a, a fireplace. Not to mention, uh, this is an important point, incredible views of Central Park. Right. Let us not forget. Although there are also there's quite a large interior courtyard as well. But we're talking about big, rambling, amazing apartments sized for another era. Um, Apartments that had like drawing rooms, for example, that were 25 feet by 40 feet long. I mean, let's start. They had drawing rooms to to begin with. And then (laughs) those drawing rooms were 40 (laughs) feet long. And they were doing more than drawing in those rooms, <laughs> I assume. More. But there may have been some people drawing. In fact, who Eventually. were some of the first people to move into the Dakota here? Who were the first renters? Well, it was. It's notable that it was immediate. It was completely rented by the time it opened in 1884, and it was mostly at the beginning, the 1880s and 90s. It was really well-off families like uh, Frederick Steinway of the piano fame, the Charles Adams, Charles D. Adams of the. Adam's chewing gum empire, Greg. But but then the Dakota took a turn toward the arts in the early 20th century. You know, there were notable figures from the art world, from music, um, from theater who started moving in. People like the actor Boris Karloff in the 1930s, Lillian Gish, Judy Garland would live there for a time, Judy Holliday, Rosemary Clooney, and of course, in 1961... Lauren Bacall. Ah, uh, yes. We're back here with Miss Bacall here. Shall we join her through the big iron gates uh, and enter the Dakota apartments? Let's do. Let's pay a visit to Miss Bacall at the Dakota right after this. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Is something interfering with your happiness? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional therapist. And this isn't self-help. This is professional counseling by licensed professional counselors who specialize in a wide range of issues, including depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, and much more. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and it's affordable. And financial aid is available. And you can send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a timely response, and plus you can schedule weekly telephone or video sessions. So start living a happier life today and get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com Bowery. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash Bowery. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. So into this historic building here comes the glorious Lauren Bacall, who in 1961 purchased a 4,000 square foot apartment, okay? 4,000 square feet overlooking Central Park. Now, interestingly, she bought it at the very first moment in time that anyone could buy an apartment at the Dakota, for it was in that year that it was converted from rental apartments, as you described, into a condominium. A condo in which residents are buying equal shares of the building itself. So in Lauren's case, she didn't buy an apartment in the Dakota. She bought a part of the Dakota, or rather shares in the Dakota, Uh um, which is pretty much how it works in most major upscale housing today, especially along Central Park West here. And since your ownership into the co-op was based on the size of your apartment, mm-hmm. we can then say that Lauren owned a greater than average share of the Dakota. Number 43 here on the fourth floor, a three-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath, spacious place. Tom, I found widely different sale prices, the amount of money that she paid, but she bought it for somewhere between $48,000 and $52,000 in 1961. What? You couldn't even buy a welcome mat in a condo today for $48,000. <laughs> <No. laughs> tell, tell us what that is in $2020, please. I'll round it up to about a half a million dollars, okay? Okay. I should I should add though in 2015, however, this apartment sold for 21 million dollars. Mm. So, that's, you know, that's New York real estate for you. And and why did she need such a large apartment? Why did she need 4,000 square feet? Because she could afford it? Well, yes, because she could afford it, but also she had a new husband, the actor Jason Robards who she married that summer, in the summer of 1961. And then by December, Lauren Bacall would give birth to a third son, Sam Robards, who would then, of course, grow up to become a successful actor in his own right. So it's a glamorous family in a glamorous new home. Yes, 
Although, unfortunately, it was not a sunny picture all the time. Now, just a year later, in October of 1962, a burglar broke into the apartment while the maid was making dinner and took off with thousands of dollars of Lauren's jewelry. Oh, how frightening. Was the family home at the time? Bacall was actually in Central Park, uh, so I'm not really sure where Jason Robards was in all this. In fact, I must say he wasn't around as often as he could have been. In fact, by 1969, Jason Robards and Lauren Bacall would be divorced. And when exactly did she go back to work? Well, she was never really away from the whole entertainment industry, not a a surprise to hear, I guess. In uh, in fact, in a photo spread that I saw, a 1964 photo spread in Look magazine, always a pleasure to flip through those, um, had a picture of Lauren and Jason posing in this huge, luxurious living room of theirs under the headline, Dakotans respect privacy but enjoy their parties. Oh, I'm sure they did enjoy their parties. <laughs> They were holding probably some kind of wild, but not too wild parties, no, right? No, no, no. I mean, by the mid-1960s, Lauren Bacall was a busy lady. She finally had a smash hit on Broadway in 1965, headlining the play Cactus Flower. Then she had a terrific role in this movie that everyone should check out, a Paul Newman detective film called Harper. Albert Graves' telephone said you needed me for something. Oh, a drink, Mr. Harper? Not before lunch, thanks. I thought you were a detective. New type. Oh. Albert Graves is one of our lawyers. He said you were good at finding things. Uh, my husband's a... You're sitting on my robe. My husband's disappeared. <clears throat> Try missing persons? Well, that might mean publicity. Ralph loathes publicity. Besides, he's got an abnormal fear of the police. I simply want you to find him and tell me which female he's with. Tom, speaking of films and speaking of the Dakota, perhaps now is the time that we should finally bring into the mix here the 1968 film classic, Rosemary's Baby. La, 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 la. Okay, we got it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, which I, well, I just, you know, that's, it's a bit of an earworm. Um, I just watched <laughs> it again last night. and Oh, cool. You, I recommend it right before you go to sleep. Rosemary's Baby stars Mia Farrow as an expectant mother uh, who's living at the Dakota and who is busy decorating, you know, their new apartment. She's getting to know the neighbors. She's possibly becoming pregnant with Satan's child, you know, all at the same time. <laughs> and by the way, Mia Farrow, just a little gossip here, you know, who had been married to Frank Sinatra, of all people, although <laughs> they got a divorce, right? Sinatra mm -hmm. again in the story. Mm -hmm. I just hope that she and Bacall shared a drink over this. But yes, the exteriors of the Dakota apartments are used in the film. So all those interiors in the movie were then on, those were sound stages, right? Were they, yes. Were they based on what actual apartments look like? Because I saw some big fireplaces in that movie. Oh, yeah. Those were realistically recreated, yeah. The Brooklyn-born production designer, a man named Richard Silbert, 
happen to know Lauren Bacall. So, you know, in the pre-production here, he went over to her apartment and studied the floor plan of the building. Wow. So then you're saying that there might actually be a hint of Bacall's actual apartment in some of those scenes. Yeah, a hint, perhaps. Yes. It's just kind of too bad that Lauren Bacall didn't just pop in. She didn't just do a cameo <laughs> in Rosemary's Baby. This part of me actually is put puts her in the movie. I don't know why. But but she's actually not in it. She's got something bigger in store at this time. And something which I'm sure kept her up very late at night. She was preparing for her first really big stage musical. A musical named Applause, which Mm. debuted at the Palace Theater on March 30th of 1970, so 50 years ago. Wow. And the Palace Theater, not a Schubert house. No, nor was she an usher. This time, (laughs) she was in a theater and she was the star, the star of the musical adaptation of All About Eve. Here's a number from Applause, but alive. I'm a I feel rotten, you're covered with roses Younger than springtime and older than Moses Frisky as a lamb Lazy as a clown Crazy, but I am What a voice. That is the voice, that is only the voice of Lauren Bacall. (laughs) No one else can reproduce that, yes. I'm... And, and we should know, she obviously played the lead, Betty Davis's character from the film, Margot Channing. Well, she won the Tony for Best Actress for this role, then later went on tour with it, and also opened the same show in London in 1972. And there's even, oddly enough, a TV version of this that she's in that was also filmed in the 70s. This is a major shift in the career of Lauren Bacall, and she's in her 50s. It's interesting to think of her leaving the Palace Theater every night and taking a limo. I'm assuming she wasn't hailing a cab. She'd probably hop into a a limo back up to the Dakota. I wonder what she was like as a neighbor. Would would she give me a cup of sugar if I needed some? What was every day Lauren Bacall like, do you mean? Hair down. Yes. Well, she would often make appearances... At building functions, such as the annual Christmas caroling event that took place here in the courtyard. I would say she was more often heard than seen uh, throughout the building and in other capacities. She often had many ideas about how the building should be maintained. Oh, well, from a another great book on the Dakota, there's a lot there's a lot of them out there from a juicy book on the Dakota called Life at the Dakota, New York's Most Unusual Address by Stephen Birmingham. Regarding the president of the Dakota Co-op Board, a man named Gordon Greenfield, quote, Greenfield would dispose of what he considered trivia in a regal manner, keeping stockholders' meetings brief and to the point. Lauren Bacall, for example, did not often appear at tenant meetings, but she did have a habit of sending memoranda in which she complained about everything. (laughs) At meetings, Gordon Greenfield would say, 
I think we can dispense with the usual Bacall memorandum, and it would be dispensed with. Oh, I love imagining Lauren Bacall at a typewriter, you know, just like hammering out a memoranda. <laughs> Bacall wasn't afraid to use her star power to, to help get her some favor or building exemptions, as the case may be. Now, in the year 1969, the Dakota Apartments were declared a New York City landmark by the New York Landmarks Commission. Now, as people who live in landmark buildings know, it could be sometimes hard to preserve the historical integrity of a building while also keeping the building modern. Uh, yes, that is a tension that we went into in some detail in our uh, recent landmark show. Remember that? Show, that live show we did, Greg. Remember when we did live shows, Greg? Remember a li- yeah, I do. We'll get yes. back to those soon. We will get anyway. back to those, yes. But we we talked about how even tiny alterations are sometimes not allowed, for good reason. In terms of air conditioning here at the Dakota, you could have an outdoor air conditioning unit in a window, but you could not actually cut a hole into a wall of a landmark building to install one, 1969 here. Well, Lauren McCall didn't like that. As she said, quote, there is nothing as ugly as a window air conditioner, she said. She had a point, although I also, I am having a hard time imagining Lauren Bacall, like, trying to install a window air conditioner. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But there's no getting around the rules. Well, there are some exceptions if you are glamorous and charming enough, apparently. Mm. For one night, she met the Landmarks Commissioner for drinks. She dressed up in a glitzy Hollywood gown. Pulled that out of the back of the closet. She charmed him, and as a result, she was allowed to install a wall unit, provided that every brick that was removed out of the wall be cataloged and stored away so that they could be restored into the wall once one day she left the apartment. So, just to be clear here, the whole issue... Was it at the Dakota, you could have a window unit, but you couldn't have a wall unit? Right. None of the other famous residents, as far as I know, got such preferred treatment. Mm. And there were a lot of famous residents now that we're here in the 70s and 80s and this, this era. Some of the people that she could call neighbors included Roberta Flack, the dancer Rudolf Nureyev, Gilda Radner, mm-hmm. and of course, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. It was here at the Dakota on the evening of December 8th, 1980, that John Lennon was shot and killed by Mark David Chapman. And he was shot right in front of the Dakota on 72nd Street. And, of course, in the area of Central Park today, facing the Dakota uh, as a place where mourners gathered in the days following his death. And it became known as Strawberry Fields. And I believe that Yoko still lives in the Dakota, right? Yeah, she does. Now, as for Lauren's life here at the Dakota, it does slow down a bit, of course, as her sons move out of the apartment. But her career is actually very steady during the 1980s and 1990s. She wins another Tony Award for her work in the 1981 musical Woman of the Year. She then makes a ton of films. She has a huge filmography from this period. She's constantly busy working with directors like Robert Altman and Lars Van Trier. Then don't forget working with Barbara Streisand. Oh, 
Mustn't forget Babs. Lauren Bacall received her first and only Oscar nomination for a film that Streisand directed, the 1996 film The Mirror Has Two Faces. And throughout all of this, Bacall remained at the Dakota Apartments. You could see her on a regular basis, walking her dog in Central Park or shopping at Zabar's. She loved Zabar's, Mm. but she wasn't above a good hot dog at Gray's Papaya. Yes, she would sometimes be seen pulling up in a limo, wearing some slinky designer gown, you know, coming from a gala of some kind, running in and grabbing a late night hot dog. Hey, celebrities, Greg, they're just like you and me. Yeah, they like to eat late. (laughs) To quote from her memoir, And Then Some, that's actually kind of like an addendum to her book by myself. She says, quote, When I am safely in my glorious apartment overlooking Central Park with all my things, my life all around me, I am quite content. Nothing's perfect, but I have my friends, my papillon, her dog, my books, my music, so I'm lucky. On August 12th, 2014, Lauren Bacall died in her apartment here at the Dakota, just a month shy of her 90th birthday. To quote from the New York Times obituary, which ran the following day, Lauren Bacall, the actress whose provocative glamour elevated her to stardom in Hollywood's golden age, and whose lasting mystique put her on a plateau in American culture that few stars reach, died on Tuesday in New York. She was 89 years old. Her death was confirmed by her son, Stephen Bogart. Her life speaks for itself, Mr. Bogart said. She lived a wonderful life, a magical life. Please visit our website, BoweryBoysHistory.com, for a whole lot of pictures of both Lauren Bacall, the Dakota apartments, and even a couple of Miss Bacall's apartment itself. A huge, huge thank you to our patrons who have joined us at Patreon.com slash BoweryBoys. It's because of you that Greg and I are able to dedicate all of our time to producing this show twice a week right now. We are an independently produced show, and obviously this is a very challenging time we're in right now. So all we can say is that our patrons are the reason that there is a Bowery Boys podcast. So we are so grateful for your support. And we'd like to give a special thanks to some of our most recent patrons, which include... Clint H., Richard K., Eve H., Terry M., Elena O., Julie H., Jesse W., Arthur T., Nancy D., and Peligra. Thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. And also, one final reminder about our upcoming limited edition Bowery Boys Walks Zoom style um, that's (laughs) taking place this Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. Our guide, uh, Kyle Supley, will be presenting an amazing virtual walk and talk about the World's Fairs of 1939 and 1964. He will be talking and walking live from his living room. <laughs> but 
He will include all kinds of props and memorabilia from both of the fairs. That is Wednesday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, and the following Wednesday, April 29th, Emma Guest Gonzalez will be leading a live virtual walk of Ladies Mile and Cast Iron Architecture. So for tickets for these events, head over to BoweryBoysWalks.com. And a final tip of the hat to Lauren Bacall, the Dakota Apartments, and to you for joining us today. Have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. See you real soon. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.